You're listening to Happy Hour Hustle, a bi-weekly podcast featuring the musings and witty remarks of the one and only Kim Bodie. We can promise at least two terrible jokes out of Kim and at least 10 minutes of incredible thought leadership from some amazing and influential guests. So grab a glass of iced red wine and join us for a wild ride. Here's Kim. Hi, everyone. Welcome to uh, Happy Hour Hustle. I am not Kim Bodie, if you haven't noticed. I am Rowan Leo here in Kim Bodie's stead. Uh, but we are still going to do a very awesome podcast today about some very interesting digital topics. So I'm here with Chris Single, who is Hello. our new digital director. Hi, Chris. Hello. Um, it is customary on Happy Hour Hustle on your first episode to let everyone know what your drink of choice is. So what's your drink of choice? My drink of choice is a bourbon Arnold Palmer, and one of the many reasons I like it is it's light, it's refreshing, it's caffeinated, and it's a good test of how drunk you are. If you can <laughs> still order it, you're allowed to keep drinking. Bourbon Arnold Palmer. So we haven't started drinking yet, uh, but isn't that the standard of this podcast? We, we have a beverage? Uh, we can, absolutely. Uh, in Kimstead. Uh, I figure we can do it when she gets back to celebrate with her. That sounds great. Yeah, perfect. Uh, you can tell you're in marketing because of the brand statement you just gave to your bourbon Arnold Palmer. I can't even say it, and I'm sober. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I work in marketing. Do you want a background on me? Yeah, sure. Go for it. Did you want to freestyle some bars, though? Did we lose that part of the intro? Oh, yeah. Sorry, sorry. We, it was really great, and we just lost my awesome rep that, that everybody was epic. here. I mean, that was like... That was Eminem level. It was a once in a lifetime experience. I can't believe we didn't capture that. I know it's such a shame. That well, maybe tune in next week and we'll have <laughs> you do that again. So my background is uh, I've got way too much experience in comedy. Uh, I actually did Chicago, Second City, I/O, uh, UCB, Annoyance, and for the comedy nerds out there, I didn't do UCB Chicago. You're right. You caught me in a lie. Then I moved to LA and did UCB LA, I/O West, uh, a little more Second City, a tiny bit of. Uh, Comedy sports? Is that what it was? Yeah. And then met a nice girl from Grand Rapids, wound up back here. Along the way, was doing digital stuff for comedy.com, then Funny or Die, and then I was running the digital at WZZM 13 locally, and most recently at a competitive local agency that uh, I eventually wound up at 834 instead. So I've been doing digital nerdy stuff for a little bit longer than I've been doing funny comedy stuff, so I'm almost as charming as I am brilliant. Is that a good background? Yeah, I think that's a pretty hot, comprehensive background there. I can hear Chelsea laughing from across the room. I hope I hope it's getting picked up. <laughs> we'll add it in post. Good. Um, okay, so we're going to start off with one of our customary icebreakers. You have already been subject to some of these, so I'll try to pick one that's new for you. Oh, don't give me the smell one. That was weird. <laughs> okay, let's do, if you could throw cold spaghetti at anybody, alive or dead, who would that person be? Does everyone say Donald Trump? Like, it has to be Donald Trump, Okay, right? we'll say aside from that, because that is the obvious answer. Um, then I have a very good, very Italian friend named Andrew Morris, and I would, <laughs> I would throw it at him. He likes to pretend he's a professional. He was like a, law, a Wall Street investment bank lawyer or something. I honestly don't know. But uh, we like to tell him, don't touch my spaghetti, because he's very <laughs> Italian. So I would like to see him in a very nice work attire and throw cold spaghetti on him. I like that our uh, podcast has now turned into a call-out post uh, for this particular friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, hire him for all of your investment banking needs, I guess. <laughs> Just keep him away from spaghetti. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, awesome. So our first segment here, we do segments on our podcast, for those of you who don't listen normally, which you should, um, we're going to do a fun one, which is little known facts. I don't know if we've done this one before. I don't think we have. Mm. Kim picks favorites, so I'm picking one instead. Um, these are facts that have to do with either our industry or the world in general or just things that we find interesting. 
Um, and we're just going to talk about them really quickly. Save what you think Do you have them? It. Was I supposed to do more practice? No, I have them. You're fine. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> Make one I, up top of your I head. I can Google real quick. Um, okay. So I found this fact. It's 36% of marketers are actively trying to integrate their digital and traditional marketing activities. So that's 36%. I think that's low. That sounds low. It's from Smart Insights. Okay. Um, but that, and it says only 15% say that they're fully integrated. So what I is your take on this? I think that's high. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, perfect. So talk about it. So I think, I mean, I obviously worked in traditional media being at the TV station, and I've been involved with purchasing things like billboards, and there's just no clear path for user flow. I really love digital for a big part of that data stuff. I'm obviously a huge nerd, but I think these traditional media buys, it's really hard to show ROI when you can't see who saw it, who did what after they saw it, did they wind up purchasing or becoming a leader or conversion, and in some of the cool stuff that I think we're talking about in a couple minutes here, you can track every moment of that path from they saw a Google ad, they landed on a landing page, they were then retargeted with a Facebook ad, they filled out a form on your website, you sent them an email, I think that sort of customer nurturing is really the future of building a good relationship with your customers and building a loyal fan base. Spoken like a true digital director. Thank um, you. Yes. <laughs> um, and then the other one that I found here is marketers who plan digital marketing campaigns when executing their strategy are 356% more likely to succeed. Does that sound about right to you? <laughs> Wow. I mean, <laughs> no, that sounds like a crazy high statistic. I right? guess I'd want to know what the base rate is and how you're defining success. That is from CoSchedule also for anybody out there who's fact-checking us. Um, but yeah. I love that you fact-check this. This is like NPR. This is so serious. <laughs> Got to cite my sources. Got to. Um, but yeah, I just thought that was really interesting that apparently like we people always say digital really, really helps. But yeah. to see a number behind it like that is like astronomical. Yeah, I really like that number. And I'm curious to see how they are defining success when you don't have digital, because mm -hmm. are you just hoping that I've even seen people buy a billboard and then they see an uptick in, you know, applications. But was that a seasonal thing? Can you really tie it back to that billboard? Can you see that these people drove down that highway and looked for this long? Like, how do you possibly know that? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I would absolutely say that's a reasonable number of tying it to your digital performances, a much better way to measure success. Perfect. Yeah, so we take uh, issue worth our 15% in the other one, but we're totally fine for over 300. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, what we're really here to talk to you about today, aside from just obviously having fun, because that's what we do on this podcast, is marketing automation. So this is something that you personally have a background in, mm -hmm. um, that you are personally invested in, and that mm -hmm. we are just here to chat about just what it's doing. Um, so first off, would you just... For anybody who's not quite sure, would you just explain what marketing automation is? Well, I would recommend they go read a fascinating article in the GRBJ written by a very handsome, charming man recently. Uh, his name's also Chris Single. What a coincidence. Yeah, it, he has the same birthday as me and everything. It's super weird. Um, <laughs> but basically, the way I explain it as let the robots do the work, where if there are already good processes and systems in place, just automate those things so that you can follow up to make sure they're getting done rather than your salespeople sending the same email a hundred times set that up to either be automated and sent automatically or to be a smart email that then notifies the salesperson and says hey here's how you should respond does that look all good great click send i mean for carpal tunnel alone i think people should be letting the robots do the work and i think that's more broadly as i can get super broad with my weird comedy background i think that's the point of capitalism like <laughs> let's spec let's drill down on the things we're good at and either find a way to automate the other things or give it to someone else who makes less money than we do. <laughs> yes. 
I'm big on like virtual assistants and finding a way to get stuff done in a reasonable, efficient way. No, it makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Of course, only comedians pull uh, marketing automation and compare it to capitalism. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> logical yeah. leaps. Perfect. Um, okay, so what you kind of touched on this already, mm -hmm. but what specific things have you seen that marketing automation can really help with? Like you just mentioned emails, but I know there's way more than that. Yeah, I think. I think it's a relationship thing. When you're selling a really high-end product, it's very hard to make all those touch points to say, hey, I saw you visited this page, now let me go follow you on Twitter. Mm -hmm. I saw that you filled out this form, let me make sure you get the email that's relevant to your copy. It's all those things that should already have a good business process set up, and by the way, if you don't, we also help with business strategy and all those things. So I think getting these down on paper is good. Getting them down in a visual workflow and an automated process is way, way better. I mean, let's not treat our people like cogs in the machine. Let's treat our machines like machines. Look at that pool quote. I was going to say, did you do your first that one? No, I just came up with that now. That's awesome. <laughs> we should get that on, like, we'll get it framed. I'm going to get that tattooed like Kim has find comfort in the uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, I get the exact same design, too. <laughs> That's a little weird. <laughs> Or um, like a puzzle piece, so when we put them together, we're Captain Planet. Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. Will be the heart. Yeah. Um, okay, then, so what do you think, like it does all these awesome things, um, you're super passionate about it, obviously. What are the downfalls of marketing automation? What's like the easy pitfalls for people to fall into? Yeah, with the strict definition of marketing automation, I think there's a pretty clear pathfall in the automation part. I think mm -hmm. you still always need that human element. I think you need really good copywriting row. I think you need really good implementation, Erica sitting here listening. But I think you also need to avoid some of the automation where someone like someone commented on our Facebook post. Let's automatically like the comment. Well, hang on, if the comment is I hate you and everything you stand for. It doesn't necessarily help your brand to automatically be liking everything. Similar with emails, if someone says, you know, I live in Bangladesh and want to sell you spam SEO services, don't automatically reply to them with a pricing list. That's not a qualified lead. They don't need that information from you. And, you know, it doesn't make you look good. So I, I like the, the, the hand in hand, as Elon Musk would say, the like merging with computers, the whole Neuralink thing. Man, I will take this podcast weird places if you let me. Oh, but I'm I think, here for it. <laughs> I think working with the technology is really the best side and depending on it too much can be a downfall. I also think there are marketing automation platforms that can be crazy expensive or not intuitive. And then if your team doesn't use it, another downfall is just not using it. If you already have access to it, use it and use it well. That's fair, yeah. And it's easy to have a tool like that and think like, oh, this can do this thing and make it easier for me without knowing the full extent of what that can really do. And look, everyone's guilty of that if you're a client or potential client of ours listening. I mean, even we have automation tools that we don't use every facet of. And there's reasons for that. It's strategic on our side, but I think it's very easy to not know what every facet of every tool and platform is and does. And for that matter, should you be scheduling your automated, automated tweets off of platform or should you be posting them organically on Facebook? Mm -hmm. Nobody really knows the black box of how Facebook works, but some <laughs> research says you will get better organic reach if you post directly on Facebook. So at some point you have to do what's best for you, but if the trade-off there is you can automate 100 posts and you got 90% the reach, maybe just automate it. Mm. Uh, yeah, that, and that brings us to the next point is this is not a one-size-fits-all solution, obviously. So what do you think are the main reasons why a company should or should not explore marketing automation? I think if you're already struggling with some of your marketing tasks, and I think it's also good for sales tasks, it can be good for recruiting, HR, uh, onboarding, ongoing education, but if you're already struggling and you know you have the processes in place, I think it's really good to help with 
automating those processes and saying, when this happens, make sure this email gets sent. Or even more broadly, when this happens, make sure the right salesperson gets notified. I think it prevents some of that falling through the cracks. And in that level, I think when it's a much higher value end product you're selling, whether that's consulting services or medical equipment or uh, what was a weird one, like golf course management facility, some of this higher end stuff that requires that nurturing and developing of a relationship, I think then it makes a lot more sense as opposed to like a dollar bag of candy. It's harder to justify building a whole system if you don't have the necessary contact to make that happen. Well, unless you're Coca-Cola, then they can do whatever they want. Yeah, I mean, Coca-Cola yeah. makes their own rules. We exactly. all know this. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking, like, a low-value product, unless you're selling a lot of them, mm -hmm. it's hard to build that process correctly. Yeah, if your conversions aren't worth a lot, like, yeah. financially, not in terms of... And again, even more broadly, if your company has already determined what a conversion is and what it's worth to you, I think the next step is figuring out how to automate those conversions. If you haven't done that, that's also something we can help with. <laughs> I like all these uh, very subtle plugs in here. I mean, um, it's our podcast. Oh, no, absolutely. We should be plugging ourselves. We can totally plug yeah. ourselves. Yeah. Um, in the absence of Kim, we'll just do it for her. Also, um, Kim's so great and smart at everything she does. <laughs> this is the uh, segment where we just talk about how great Kim is. Um, uh, this is just a <laughs> test of if she listens, right? Yeah. It's really true, yeah. <laughs> Hi, Kim. Are you listening? Um, cool. So you talked about Elon Musk a bit, so that kind of hits us here with like that cyborg mentality of what is the future of this sort of thing? Like, Where in your wildest dreams do you see marketing automation going and developing into? What's amusing to me is watching how marketing automation companies use marketing automation to sell marketing automation. And I, we just had a call 20 minutes ago with such a person. And I think they've now segmented it out in such a way that each person has a clearly defined role and what they're best at, they can really shine through. Okay, this guy, we'll move on. Um, but I do think that the end goal is to just let your humans be humans. As I said in the GRBJ article, that's the Grand Rapids Business Journal. You can find the link <laughs> online and on my Instagram bio. Uh, uh, and what is your Instagram? Uh, C-Single, C-S-I-N-G-E-L, uh, L-E. If you Google Chris Single, I think is Chris Brown Single is still the first result because <laughs> he is way more famous than I am. But is he? Um, well, I think this was while he was dating Rihanna. That's a whole thing. Um, so we won't I go there. <laughs> I think the end goal of automation is both to let your people be people, and as these companies develop, sort of like Google is, make it really easy to onboard and set these systems up so that you can say, here is what I want to happen. You figure out automation platform, how I get there. And will that ever be perfect? Maybe not, but will it be good enough for government work? Yeah. <laughs> Does, do other people use that expression? Yeah, no? yeah, okay. I think so, at least. I know what you meant. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's that whole talk of how smart can AI get? Sure. And at what point does AI reach that uh, boundary where it has to be a human behind it pulling the strings? And look, and everything in digital marketing is changing every two years, if not faster. Mm -hmm. And I can then rant about the technology curve and Moore's Law and how the pace of change is only changing quicker as the pace of change changes. Mm -hmm. But as we relearn these things and figure them out, I think marketing automation will similarly go through a curve of, hey, let's Pareto principle this thing and put in 80%, get 80% of the results for 20% of the effort because if it's changing in two years every way, anyways, let's not spend two years perfecting it because it's all gonna get scrapped. Yeah, which makes sense. I yeah. mean, that's how technology works. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, but also fortunately. I love it. I, I 
it stresses me out when people don't love like the internet and digital marketing as much mm -hmm. as I do because it's like this is where it's going like get on board or get out of the way this is a very biased podcast because uh, two members of the digital team are sitting here and I used to be on the digital team so yeah, yeah. if you don't love digital sorry I feel um, like you're still <laughs> on the digital team I feel like the cyborg is inside you that's fair I like yeah. straddle that line between perfect perfect um, awesome so is there anything else about marketing automation that you feel like people should know um, or that you just wanted to bring up that I didn't mention? I also feel like a lot of people heard about this buzzword and automation yeah. and AI like five, 10 years ago and probably tried something or they have an email platform that claims to do marketing automation. And it's just, it's just not what most people think it is. And I think the way we have it set up is super easy to get and you can build visual workflows that shows, hey, when this happens, then do this thing, and lead scoring to say, when we have this type of lead, let's treat them this way. I just think it's gotten so much better and frankly, so much cheaper for clients that now is really the time to be investing in it. Yeah, I, I know people that looked into marketing automation a few years ago and thought it was this huge bundle of things, but seeing how different it is now, even mm -hmm. just from a few years ago, is crazy. Like. Yeah there's so much that you can do with these platforms, with these services that mm -hmm. like, if you've never been in the back end of a marketing automation platform, or if you've never seen somebody use it, like it will blow your mind to see what you can do and make your life easier with. Right. I mean, it's like we're talking about AI. If you can train the system to work well, you only need to train it once and then, you know, a million Teslas can now drive as good as I can. Probably better, <laughs> much better, actually. That's a running joke at 834 that I am by far the worst driver. It's a running joke because it's true. Chris, how many accidents have you been in? But, I mean, my insurance company doesn't need to know. <laughs> uh, I think five, and I think I've reported all of them, and there might be more. He thinks five, which is worth a note. Um. Well, at least one of them was a hit and run, so like that wasn't my fault. And then the other two where I backed into cars were like, I mean, how much is that my fault, really? I mean, we'll leave oh, that one completely? alone. That's yeah. completely my fault. Oh, yeah. No, Erica's right. That's completely. Um, yeah. So I guess my point is the software just needs to learn something once and, once and then it spreads out effectively infinitely. Mm -hmm. And it's that cost of reproduction that's so crazy low that, I mean, it's Gutenberg's printing press for the internet age. I think setting it up right once can show incredible returns as opposed to the time and effort you would take to build one billboard. I don't know why I'm hating on billboards. I think they have their time and place, but yeah. This is not it. This is, I mean, not <laughs> by my opinion, but. No, I, I, I agree with you. Um, all right, so thank you for telling me all about marketing automation. Um, if you are listening to this and you have questions, feel free to reach out to us. Um, obviously, if you don't uh, know where to find us, we're 834design.com. Um, but, so we have a rapid fire that we knew to finish off here. Um, oh gosh. Typically Kim picks things from Grand Rapids, but I'm not originally from Grand Rapids, so Ooh, I picked a different neither. rapid fire. Yeah, I figured we'd go easy. Um, so, I'm gonna ask you a series of ors, um, like a this or that, okay. and just respond with your choice. Okay. All right, so, coffee or tea? Coffee. Do you take it black, or what do you put in it? There's not an or. That's not an or. <laughs> no, no, no I, I'm expanding I, upon I will it. take an or. Like a, like a OAR. Never mind. That's a um, dumb joke. Uh, do we need I to, often take it black. Yes. Do we need to talk about the concept of yes anding, Chris? Yes um, and. Yes. <laughs> um, late nights or early mornings? Late nights. Okay. That's fair. I agree. Did you have a follow-up question? You pause. No, no. I like early mornings when I can do them. It's just, uh, oh, 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 right? <laughs> Who wants to do that? It's like that one, one unicorn of a day when you wake up at 4 a.m. and are super energized. I, I feel great at 5 a.m., but at 4 a.m., no, nah, I'm going back to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> Out of the question. Yeah. Um, ketchup or mustard? Ketchup. <laughs> you said that like it's obvious. Like, who likes mustard? I do. Oh man. Erica Over does. Ketchup? 
You're outvoted here. Well, on a pretzel, sure, but. Erica says it depends. Um, she's not Mike, so I will talk on her behalf. Yeah. Uh, cake or pie? Ooh, pie. Pie? Do you have a favorite? Um, no, cherry pie, apple pie. Especially in West Michigan, I think they have a really good cherry pie. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. they're like, in West Michigan specifically, not like. Like I, well, I've never North been Michigan. to East Michigan. I'm, <laughs> I'm just thinking of like along the lakeshore, there's all those pie stands of like, come on in for fresh chick. Come on down for some fresh picked cherry pie. <laughs> I don't know, Jen. Jen is mouthing what is happening, and I don't know. This podcast is only brought to you by our bad southern accents. Um, yeah, perfect. Fiction or real life? Ugh, I need context. I guess fiction is, is real life real life? Isn't this all a fiction? I was going to write fiction or nonfiction, but people don't always remember which one is which, so I wrote that fiction. It's the one that's fiction. <laughs> yeah, you'd think. Um, I would say <laughs> fiction because I think we're living in a simulation and it's all fiction anyways. Back to cyborgs. Yeah. Um, all right, dogs or cats? Dogs, like mm. no hesitation. Mm. Indoors or outdoors? Indoors. <laughs> what? We fought nature and we won. I'm staying indoors. <laughs> uh, movies or video games? Video games. Okay. Although... Uh, that's hard. My wife and I watch a lot of movies, but I do really like video games. I just don't have a ton of time for them. That's right. They're kind of time sucks, but in yeah. a good way. Um, horror or romance? Romance. That's fine. What's this the face? <laughs> Erica says this is new. It's okay to be cheesy here. We, we, we support I just, this. I feel like life is stressful enough that I don't need horror, like, added on. Why am I going to sit and be scared for two hours? <laughs> that's fair. Although, like, Not Scary Farm or some of these, like, haunted Halloween parks are so cool. I, th I feel like Halloween is its own brand of horror. That's, right. like, junior horror. Like, when the whole season's built around it. Yeah. It's a totally different experience. I completely yeah. agree with you. Yeah. Um, books or Netflix? I, I would need context. I, I have to say books, but there's a lot of good Netflix lately. I mean, like, when you go home, would you pick a book or Netflix? Oh, Netflix. Okay, there we yeah. go. <laughs> I would like to say books. I don't spend enough time reading. I have my stack of books is getting bigger. That's fair. Yeah. You always, like, buy one. You're like, I'm going to read this. And then you set it aside and never touch it. I've, I've bought, I think at this point, a couple dozen. I have several hundred on my reading list. And then I have a couple hundred that aren't yet in the library <laughs> on a different reading list. It's like... You, the reading list before the reading list. Like exactly. The, like, the JV reading list. And I don't know how to rank them. So I, uh, this is, wow, a different turn for the podcast, but it was a weird moment of mortality where I was like, I might not finish all of these before I die. Like, if I read 10 books a year, I'm still not going to get through all these books. I like how you just said you don't like horror, and then we got really, really morbid in, like, another well, that's a different, that's a, existential horror is it's different still counts, than, like, yeah. I guess, like, yeah, Babadook horror I'm into, just, like, or It Follows. Oh, everything is horror. It's true, it's yeah. true. All right, and our last one in the least rapid, rapid-fire questions I think we've ever done. Wine or beer? Beer. Beer? Do you have a favorite? You don't have to. Um... I used to really like Founders Farm, um, I'm sorry, Brewery Provence Farmhand. Mm -hmm. Lately, uh, just a little solid gold from Founders. Cool, okay. refreshing. I think it's because it's summertime. Yeah, you got to get like a lighter beer in summer. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, that's it. Thank you for being a part of this very weird episode of the Happy Hour Hustle. This was great. Awesome. Well, you also have nothing to compare it to since it's your first one you're on. So I've listened us. to several. Yeah, but you've never been on one. It's different when you're in the spotlight. Is it? Okay. I don't know. I yeah. mean, it doesn't have to be. But yeah. thanks for being here. Um, as always, you guys can uh, check out all of our stuff on our website at 834design.com. Uh, Chris, what is your Instagram one more time? C-S-I-N-G-E-L. Uh, C-Single. C Perfect. Uh, and we will see you guys next time. You just got hustled.